welcome to the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD, also at WFMD.com and on the FM at 99.9 HD2. And uh, you can listen to us as a live stream on WFMD.com, and you can also go to the Faith Debate page there and, and get a description of, of shows that are coming up or see the podcasts and shows that have, come, that have happened recently. We have a tendency to do shows in what I call ARCs, so we'll cover similar themes over a series of two, three, four, five, sometimes 10, 15 shows in a row. And uh, if you joined in the middle of that, sometimes it's interesting to go back and do a binge and just listen to a whole bunch in a row because they are kind of one threaded together um, episode that's broken out into pieces here. So who am I doing the show with? Well, if you've been listening the last six months or so, you've begun, grown to know these voices and these names. We've got Daniel Razvi with his proud papa, Imran Razvi. His friends call him Raz. And I'm wondering because I like the Razio a lot. I don't know. And then uh, David Forsey. All Hello. four, all four of us are pastors of house churches. Mine is called the Household of Faith. In, house. Let me say it slower so you can uh, type it. Household of Faith in Christ. And we're online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. If you go there, you'll find all my contact information, and I can help you get in contact with the the uh, other three gentlemen uh, on the panel every week as well. So, um, how was that? How was that? Uh, how URL available. Household of Faith in Christ? Yeah. I have no idea. Apparently there aren't enough Christians in America now, who wanted now, a website. Now, now, did you did you come up with a bunch of names? So, you know, like like when you go to the DMV, you know, and you, or the MVA. Sorry, I grew up in Virginia. And, uh, you know, you, you want a particular license plate. You figure out a bunch of different ways to spell it, right? Because somebody else has right. it. I didn't now, have. Now, did you come up with a list of church names? I did not have that channel. No, so when okay. I when I decided that you know I was going to move in the house church direction, and and uh, I won't bore you with a long story, but it it kind of happened. It almost kind of fell together. I was pastoring another church, and then when COVID happened, that church fell apart. I won't get into the details of that now. Maybe someday, but right now I don't need to get into details. And so we were already doing church stuff with a couple of people in my house and then also doing stuff with, with the uh, stream for other people who um, wouldn't join us in our house. And when they, the church just disappeared, it was like, well, we were already doing it. And we already had the stream set up. So, well, we're going to just keep doing this for a while because we had way more people watching the stream initially than we had in the church. It was a small you know, startup church. Um, very small number of people in it. And we had like 150 people watching our live stream because all the churches back then in the spring of 2020 had shut down. If there were, I guess there was a bit more of a need for it or something. And so we had a lot of people watching the stream. And I was like, well, I'm not going to just pull the plug on those 100 plus people. So we're going to keep doing this. And so over the course of a couple of months, we decided that, you know, maybe we'll just keep doing this and we'll actually do house church. I had been thinking about it for years anyway. And I wanted to have a name. I don't know why. You guys never thought it was all that important to have a name. You're just, you know, the church that meets at Imran's house or the church that meets at David's house or, you know, whatever. But I, I don't know. From in, in my mind, I felt like it needed a name. And it, but I wanted to have something that felt like a biblical name. And uh, the body of Christ is referred to as the household of faith in Galatians. And so I thought, we're going to call it the household of faith. But then I thought, in today's context, <laughs> faith in what? That's important. Right? Because it could be faith in faith. It could be faith in anything. It could be, you know, it could be a Buddhist temple or something. It could be anything. I thought, no, I'm going to make it very clear. This is a Christian church, household of faith in Christ. Now, there are some churches, apparently, or at least one church that has householdoffaith.com. Uh -huh. uh, so that wouldn't have been available to us. 
but I didn't want that one. I wanted Household of Faith, in, which is more letters and it's harder to say and remember. I, I, I was going to say the longer the website name, I, probably the better chance is you know. Probably get it. <laughs> I get it, and it is. It can be a mouthful to say. You know, think how many how many uh, uh, syllables is that? Household of Faith in Christ six dot com, eight syllables. I don't know. It's not as good as david.com would be or, you know, <laughs> raz.com would be. Ooh, that one might be available. You should look up raz.com. I'm sure that was taken. <laughs> That'd be a fun one. Anyway, so that's how the whole thing came together. Okay. And then when I decided we we're going to do a website, I was like, you know, I want this to, I'm a big believer. We were talking about this last week about personal responsibility and, and mm-hmm. what you can do personally. And I feel like anything that you do, you know, personally or otherwise, anything that you personally do, you should be trying to do it with excellence. So I didn't want to just put a, a single page site up or just slap something up because I, I could, I've actually, you know, using WordPress, have built a website myself before, but it's, it's okay. You know, it was a great learning experience. That's why I did it. I was like, I want to see if I can figure out how to do this and learn how to do it. And so I did. And it, it's functional. It's the decoratingdatenight.com website. My, my wife and I okay. do decorating date night together. But I wanted something way better than that if it's going to be representing Christ's church, you know, some expression of Christ's church. So um, hired a company and worked with them to put together what is a pretty professional-looking website. It's it's It could give the impression that the church is much larger <laughs> and that it's not even a house church. So the language on the site is very clear. We are a house church. Our intention is to always be a house church because a lot of people, they, they find out you're meeting in your house. And, oh, you're planting a church. Well, yes, but I'm planting a house church. <laughs> it's <laughs> never going to outgrow our space. As it does, we're going to hopefully subdivide and, and establish additional house churches. That's our growth plan. So we're not, you know, three years from now, we won't be renting a uh, cafeteria in a local school or something like that. That's not part of our you vision. You will be allowed to three years. Before. Well, that could be, yeah. So anyway, I don't even know how you asked me a question and got me off on that tangent. I don't even know where that. Because I mentioned start with I, Happy New Year. Because oh yeah, ha- Happy <laughs> New Year. Is it already? Yeah, nobody uh-huh. thought we'd make it to 2022. Here we are. <laughs> Although we're recording this in advance, so maybe we don't make it. <laughs> maybe this one's being lost to the ether somewhere. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, so we've been talking about some. Uh, some of the big issues that have dominated our lives the last few years and put putting kind of the the faith debate stamp uh, on it. There have been a lot of changes in, in recent times. I mean, big sea change kinds of changes. I mean, somebody that was in place for a long time, like somebody who's your age, Daniel, actually, somebody who's my daughter's age and her husband's age and stuff. Up until recently, you basically, well, you're you matured early and you were deep into studies. Like he graduated with a doctorate when he was four for something like that. Something like that. It was close. Something. I'm, I'm slightly exaggerating. Maybe he was eight. Something like that. Uh, so you might be the exception. But the typical person, the young person, they can't remember a world until recently when Benjamin Netanyahu wasn't the leader of Israel. And all of a sudden, he's not the leader of Israel. People couldn't, couldn't imagine a time. Even me. I, there was never a time when Alex Trebek wasn't on TV hosting Jeopardy. And now he's not. There was never a time when Larry King wasn't some sort of television icon. And now he's not. 
those are those are cultural things, but those are kind of the kinds of things that knit the society together. That's one of the things that we've lost with uh, all the streaming platforms and stuff now, and the proprietary uh, proprietary uh, uh, products that they put out there for us to watch. When we were younger, um, you'd go to school or you'd hang out with your friends the next day, and you would talk about what was on TV the night before, and everybody watched it. No. Bet when there were three channels? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Or, or, you know, even even when there were more than three channels, like even in the 90s, you know, must-see TV really was. Like, you know, you, I mean, people felt out of the loop, and they couldn't, they had a hard time navigating social uh, situations if you couldn't reference Seinfeld, if you couldn't reference Friends, if you didn't know what was going on with Frasier. Like, if you couldn't do those things, you were kind of out of the loop. That's no longer the no, case. now you can just go binge-watch Seinfeld over the weekend. And, and there's All, no... However many seasons there are. And, that's, but, and that's, that's a loss. I think that's a cultural loss. People aren't going into the workplace and they say, oh, did you see the fill-in-the-blank TV show last night? Nobody's doing that because that's not how we consume the media anymore. And I think it's a loss. So there's been these, these big changes. One of the big changes when I was growing up, when Imran, when you were growing up, I'm not so sure about the other two young whippersnappers, but when I was growing up, um, the Soviet Union was like the big, bad, evil empire. Yeah. Well, now it's China. I mean, that's a change. That's a big change that China's our enemy rather than, you know, Russia, even though the Russia, Russia, Russia collusion hoax, uh, they, they tried to do something. Somebody who's been an icon on the left at, at the Supreme Court level, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she died just last year. Well, yeah. Now that it's 2022, she died a year and a half ago. <laughs> so two calendar years ago, I guess, she died. Um, and actually, let's talk about that. Let's just use that to pivot into something that you guys can contribute now that I'm just reminiscing. Um, during the Trump presidency, uh, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Coney Barrett were added to the bench with much fanfare and celebration. Premature, in my opinion, as, as it's turned out, because they made a lot of decisions that uh, didn't go the way we would have expected them to go. Uh, so this might just give you a chance to bang your same drum, uh, David, about we, we can't control. <laughs> Why are we going to worry about these things? But, um, so how much weight should we place on the court system uh, as we're battling? Let me put it this way. Let's change the nature of the question. Christians are, should be all about what's right and good and true. So we should be defenders and advocates for righteousness. And justice. And justice. What's the right way, best way, biblical way for us to pursue that in our lives and in our families' lives and in our communities' lives? Mm, that was a thought provoker. Well, that's, that's a big question, Troy. There's, there's a lot there. I mean, the impetus for that question is I don't know that we can trust our court systems all that much. So where do we turn? <laughs> it's kind of the concern. Yeah. Well, I think there's – within the church, there are tools that the church can use for justice and righteousness that I think are, are often not utilized as well as they could be. For example, types of church discipline. And you know, just look at Matthew 18, it explains how to resolve disputes. There's a very specific method. 
you go to your brother that you have a problem with and you talk to him and if he doesn't hear you then you go take somebody else with you and talk to him and if they, he doesn't hear you then you go take it to the to the uh, elders and you take it to the church and so there there are, there's processes and those are not secular processes they're religious processes but they're they're commanded by God of what we need to do when we have disputes with other believers now, unfortunately, when it's not with another believer who's not under the uh, with somebody who's not under the jurisdiction of the church, then we do follow to the legal system. And whether it's it's just or it's not just, I mean, Jesus talked about the woman who went to the unjust judge and just kept being persistent, and eventually, even the corrupt judge had to give in to her. So that's, I think, uh, a, an encouragement that we can use the court system and justice system, it doesn't mean we're always going to achieve what we hope to achieve by it, but we are still in this world, and it's a fallen and corrupt world, but we have to make the best of it while we're here. And and so, yeah, I mean, so whatever, you know, system of government uh, people find themselves in, right, they can still be faithful believers. Um, and... Yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, first and foremost for for believers, I think the important thing is to, um, to just remember that, you know, that there is a standard of what is what is good and true and right, which is, you know, which God communicates to us through through his word. And so I, I think that's why there there is so much wrestling in society is because so many people have are coming from a different idea of what is good, you know, what is true, what is, what is just, um, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think, I think, you know, here we can, again, just be, be reminded of, of the gospel that, uh, you know, the God's standard of what is good and, and true and, and right, we, we don't live up to you know, what, uh, and, you know, because of our sin, um, you know, and so, so Christ is that example. Um, he, he's the only one who has lived up to, uh, you know, what God says is, is a good, a good, right, perfect life. Um, and that's, that's why he is our only hope and, you know, our, our only, our only way of salvation is uh, is through trusting in Him and and His righteousness on our behalf. So, David, you were talking about what is good and what is right. The problem with today's society is they don't know what is good and what is right. They have left the gospel. They have left the absolute truth, and now whatever feels right is right, and that's what's causing a lot of the mm -hmm. angst in society. That's what's causing a lot of the division and change and corruption because whatever feels right. It didn't feel right just a few years ago for gay marriage, but now it's right. It didn't feel right for um, transsexual people a few years ago, but now it's right. Now it's demanded. And if you, and not only that, if it's silence is violence. So not even if you don't oppose it, but you don't verbally agree with it, then you're being violent. So those things are being forced upon society because there is no absolute truth according to society. Yeah, there's there's not a, a universal objective standard that uh that everyone is is going to which you know getting back to the courts right and our whole system of government the the constitution was supposed to be that 
uh, universal objective, you know, how the government is going to operate, what the government can and can't do, uh, you know, and therefore the people have uh, freedom everywhere else kind of deal. And uh, so that's something that comes interesting into play with the, the court system is you have judges with different perspectives of right. on the and, Constitution. But the judges were supposed to interpret the law and not to make law. And right. the left decided a long time ago, since they could not get the laws made according to their will and what they felt was good, they decided to go uh, around the system and have the judges make the laws. And that's what's really started to change this country in a very profound way 50 years ago, because the judges started making laws. Yeah, it's almost like they, they began to use the Supreme Court as, as an oligarchy <laughs> to... Uh sort of override everything else, yeah. And ever since the Civil War happened, the states are afraid to be the the, the mm. check on that balance, you know, if you will, um, because the Supreme Court can make a ruling and the states can say, yeah, you know what, not so much for us. We're a sovereign state and we're, we, we don't agree. You don't have any jurisdiction here constitutionally. The problem is the Civil War happened and the states that tried to say, yeah, not so much, uh, you know, they got their butts kicked in the war between the states. And every ever since then, the states are afraid to assert themselves. It's been a great frustration. Talk about an injustice. I mean, tens of millions of uh, unborn babies have been slaughtered in the womb, quote unquote, legally. And all these conservative states have the power to pass a law today saying no abortions, yeah, no but, exceptions. But they won't because, you know, the Supreme Court said, but doesn't matter what the Supreme Court said. And what did they even say? They said that a specific Texas law in the 1970s was unconstitutional. Okay. Even if you take that as the premise, that doesn't mean your law is. They have, you have to decide that in court. And part of that's, a, 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 you know, we've got to take our language back. You know, ever since Roe v. Wade, my whole life practically, I've heard, you know, you know legal abortion is the law of the land. It's not a law at all, much less the law of right. the land. But we've, we've, we use that sort of language all the time. And it, that's just one example of where we've got to take the language back. Like I refuse unless I'm going to try to clarify for a moment to, to what I'm talking about. And I'll say, quote, unquote, race. Other than that, I don't use the word race or racism because there's one human race. And to use the language of the left the la or the left, the language of the pagans, to use the language of the pagans is a surrender the language of, of the Bible. The Bible teaches there's one human race. Now, there are different ethnic groups, so we can talk about ethnicity or ethnic bias or things like that. But as soon as we use the word race, we've already lost the argument before it started. And that brings me back to the point where you had made earlier that uh, what can you do? So I know in my family what we do is we actually, anytime we fill out any government forms, we actually make a little circle or a little square and check that off and saying human race. We don't check any of the other choices that they have of the races. We actually make make our own slot of human race. And uh, I love that you do that. That's that's a small thing that we can do. That everyone can yeah, do. everybody should do that. We I have often gotten responses incredulous by people. What what you're doing that? Oh, that's great. I agree with that. And nobody thought to do it, or or everybody's too scared to do that. I never thought of it, but you that's, know? yeah. Sometimes they'll have an other box, and you and you can write your own, and then I write human. And sometimes, if it's an electronic form, sometimes there's no other box, then I check all the boxes. Ah, 
yeah. Because ethnically, right, there's one. a connection We're there. All from Noah. Yeah, interesting. I'm uh, liking that. I'm, I'm, uh, you you don't mind if I steal form, that, right? Oh, Absolutely. please do. Yeah, if it's a paper <laughs> form, then you know you can you can write your own box, and uh, you know be emphatic. Emphatic. This is my religious belief. You can't tell me I have to check a box about. A you race. know, I've, I'm inspired. You know, I'm going to start doing too. I'm going to start crossing out the word gender and writing in the word sex, because gender really is a literature term. It's not a biological term, and it's been co-opted for political purposes and applied in a biological sphere. And again, literarily, there are multiple genders. But biologically, there are two. So again, if we use their language, we've surrendered so much ground that we're playing catch-up in the argument the whole time, all the way through. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing that, too. We'll put biological sex. Biological sex, yeah, absolutely. So talking about you know, what's just and right, to show you how the different worldviews, those who would disagree with our point of view, the people in this room on the kinds of things we've been talking about so far, they would say that it's, it's a stroke of justice that we had our, have our first, you know, uh, black or multi-ethnic uh, female vice president. That's justice. You know, the fact that we had our first black president, uh, you know, a decade ago, that uh, was justice. We have our first openly gay uh, transportation secretary. That's evidence of justice. So we, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, he ran for uh, governor and I, uh, for, as a gubernator. I think he was the first transgender candidate for governor in California. That's progress. That's justice. You know, their, their voice is being heard. Um, all these identity politics it, things are positioned as issues of justice. And we've talked about this before. Social it, justice. There is, the definitions are important. So how you define justice is very important. Because maybe it is justice if you define justice to be um, you know, you finally get what you want that you didn't get before. Okay, well, <laughs> then, sir, it's justice. But, um, you know, it's important to have the definitions of the terms that we can agree on. And I think when people say justice, they mean something right has happened that, that fixes wrongs that have happened in the past. And I'm not sure there's a very logical train of thought that you can follow that arrives at that conclusion um, so people say it, and and everybody just takes it as tried. Oh, okay, yeah, whatever, the justice. Okay, fine, next next thing. But we don't stop and think, well, no, that doesn't actually fix any specific wrong. That um, Now, if this person is now governor and, you know, it's justice because this person ran in the last election and the opponent cheated and threw out all the votes, and now this person won, okay, now I could say that's justice because now you have a specific instance where, you know, something has happened where someone got what they deserve when they had not gotten that before. But uh, I think people try to cast large categories. And because somebody that sort of was similar to you in, a, in, a, in one way um, had something bad done to them 50 years ago, that means you deserve everything. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I'll, I'll end with this because we're talking about justice, and I think it's important when pastors get together and we might have Christians who are listening, we need to remind Christians this, we do want justice. But we want to be careful about how insistent and firmly we demand justice because if we received justice from God, we would have no hope whatsoever. Right. <laughs> it is because God is also a merciful God and demonstrates mercy towards us that we can that we can be rescued from the justice that's due us. It's not that he 
exercised injustice. He he put the penalty due that justice demanded on the back of Jesus Christ. And so justice was fulfilled, but to our benefit out of God's mercy and grace. And that's something we can carry with us too. Like, you know, we can advocate for justice and the right thing, but as circumstances merit it, say, you know what, the right thing here is this, and we'll figure out how to deal with that so that people don't get away with doing wrong things, but we can do it in a gracious merciful attitude and try to navigate that so we're not these hardcore, mean-spirited mercenaries for an an ill-conceived idea of justice. So I'll end on that as we start our our new year. Uh, Daniel and Imran Razvi, thank you, gentlemen. David Forsey, thank you. I'm Troy Skinner. Thank you for listening to The Faith Debate. Find us online at WFMD.com. The Faith Debate page is there. You can also find The Faith Debate by going to householdoffaithinchrist.com because it links to the Faith Debate page of the FMD website there as well. That's householdoffaithinchrist.com. Till next week, 167 and a half hours from just about right now. God bless.